I'm excited to be in church this morning. The sun is shining. Spring has sprung. Long weekend. Yay. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to be sharing with you this morning. My name is Jordan. For those of you who don't know who I am, uh, I am part of the team here at Faith, and most of my time I spend down um, at Dalhousie's campus and pastoring in the campus ministry we have down there, Evensong, and we also, um, or I'm also a chaplain at Dalhousie's multi-faith services. So school's out for summer though, so get a little bit more time and space to come share here with you this morning, and I am excited to do that. Uh, so Pastor Glenn, uh, over the last couple of weeks, he was in the middle of a series called Beyond, and he finished that up last week, and over the past couple of weeks, he kind of just encouraged us that God is above and beyond all that we could ever hope and imagine, and uh, what that can mean for our lives, our relationships, how we interact with people, and it was just really a nice time to rem remember who God is and what he can do. Uh, so I get to be that in-between buffer. So that series is over. The next one starts next week. So the world is my oyster today. And uh, I figured, okay, while we wait for the next, next series to start, why don't we talk a little bit about waiting today? Uh, so we do a lot of waiting um, in our lives, you know, we're constantly waiting for something, waiting for the next thing, the next job, waiting for test results, waiting for the next day, waiting for this day to be over so we can just do it over the next time. Uh, but we're always waiting on something. And I think a lot of us have probably heard the term waiting on a woman. Um, I love that phrase, which is kind of weird that I love it because I am a woman and it's kind of about me. <laughs> um, but I think we could probably change it to like waiting on a person because I have spent much time waiting on men too. It's not just women who take forever to get anywhere, or do anything. Um, but yeah, the term waiting on a woman. When I was young, uh, I got to, or I went to a church, for the same church growing up uh, for 20 years, and I spent every Sunday afternoon at this couple's house, and their name was Bob and Ruth. And they were like a third set of grandparents to me, or like second set of parents, whatever it may be. But I was very close to me. They, they, they were very close to me, and they kind of took me in as their own, in their home, their family was my family, my family was their family. We were very, very close, and they had a huge part in raising me. Um, and I loved Ruth, but Bob, the husband, he was my favorite person in the world. Um, I don't know if you ever have one of those people you're just like, yes, that guy is so cool. <laughs> and uh, Bob, he, you know, he got me. So growing up, I think I've referenced this before, that my nickname was Snicklefritz. And I don't know if anyone knows what, who Snicklefritz is, but he's a savage, mean little cat <laughs> um, from the show The Big Comfy Couch. So I was hard to love, and <laughs> some would argue I still am, but I was just kind of never quite knew what I wanted. I was always freaking out about something, but Bob, he got me. You know, he could get down on my level. He understood where I was coming from. And... Uh, I'd spend Sunday afternoons at their house at church. And so my parents would send me with a different set of clothing. Um, so I'd get out of my Sunday best. And then before we came back to church in the evening, we'd change into a more comfortable outfit. So um, one time, I remember Bob saying he was always waiting on a woman because he asked me to go get changed to go back to church. And I just like, I was just coming in and out of the room, not changing, making them wait for me. And finally he, he was like, okay, this train is leaving. So I was six years old at the time, and I didn't realize that when a parent says, okay, we're leaving without you, doesn't 
they're not actually going to leave without you. But I didn't know that at the time, so I come darting out of the room in the middle of a tantrum, and I was just freaking out, and I was just like mad, and no one really understood why, but it was because my mom had sent me with overalls, and I felt like they were just so constricting, and I couldn't wiggle around, and I couldn't breathe, and so Bob was like, okay, we gotta deal with this. So he kind of got down on my level, he was like, what's the issue? And then we finally got it out. He realized he needed to wait a little while for me to calm down to be able to tell him what was wrong. But after I calmed down and we got to church, we got to the goal, church on time. And I remember thanking Bob for waiting for me. And you know, like when you have those memories when you're really little and you're like, why do I remember that? That's so insignificant. But I remember what he said back to me. He said, for you, my girl, I will always wait. So sometimes we're waiting on someone or something before we can move forward. Before we could get to church, we had to wait until my overalls were on. Sometimes you're just waiting on something to happen. And then there's waiting for news. Sometimes we're waiting for good news, bad news, whatever it may be. I remember um, when my sister was waiting, we were waiting for my sister's daughter to be born. So my sister was the first in our family to get married, have kids. She's a fireball, do it fast, do it now. She wanted to be the first to do everything. My sister does not know how to wait. <laughs> um, so she had a baby and I remember being out to dinner and getting that phone call like, oh, she's in labor and, and kind of waiting in the waiting room with my family and my brother-in-law's family, just like waiting for this new little bundle to come into this world. And I remember I could feel my family kind of, once Autumn was born, transitioning from one stage of life to another. You know, we all, once she was born, our hearts expanded. We had more love than we thought we did before. And, and you could, we all had new titles. Like I was now aunt, my brother, uncle, Grammy, nanny. You know, we didn't really know what we were waiting for. But then when it happened, when she was born, it was more than we could imagine. Sometimes you don't even know what the end of your waiting will do to your life, and sometimes it's much more than you ever anticipated. And then sometimes we're waiting for bad news. or waiting, and you know, the end result might not be exactly what you want. In my first year of university, and one of my first classes, it was a poetry class, I got accused of plagiarism. So my, the university professor called me into her office, and she sat me down and she said, uh, she's suspicious of me plagiarizing a poetry paper. And then she sat me down and told me all the bad things that were about to happen. So I was about to have a flag on my transcript forever saying that I plagiarized and that I'd fail the course and I'd be on academic probation. And then she sent me away and she said, okay, well that's all the bad things that are gonna happen. Now just wait to hear from the academic board. How long? I don't know, I was just waiting. So what did I do? One, I cried, obviously. <laughs> Two, I immediately went and got a donut. <laughs> and then three, I went to Winners and I bought a whole bunch of kitchenware. <laughs> I didn't have a kitchen at the time, but you know, sometimes you do irrational things. <laughs> and after all those irrational next steps, I waited and worried for a week in dread, blowing up the circumstances in my head, imagining the absolute worst. Sometimes the answer what we're waiting for will mess up what we perceive to be best in our lives. FYI, I was able to get off unmarked. They realized they didn't plagiarize. It was all good. But I learned a lot in the waiting. So sometimes it feels like we're constantly waiting for God to speak, to move, to guide, to just show up. We're just there and just in anticipation, just what's going to happen next. This morning, I want to give us a brief reminder that sometimes what God does in the waiting is just as important as what you're waiting for. 
So some of us are waiting for the next stage of life, you know, waiting for a promotion or waiting for a child to be born or waiting for our children to get up and out of the house, uh, waiting for peace in our homes, waiting for freedom from something. Some people are waiting back on a doctor's report or some people are waiting for that life companion to walk through life with and some are waiting for a baby that you've been trying to have for years. Sometimes there's so much going on in our lives, so many pieces moving around that we're just waiting for it to be quiet. And sometimes we don't hear any noise at all. It feels like nothing is happening and we're waiting for a voice. I think we look at our lives sometimes and can think like, is God making me wait, like withholding this thing from me just to see how long I can take it? You know, like it's a game to him. Like he's like up there, like putting ingredients in this pot and then he just has it on simmer for however long just to see how long we can take it. But I want to assure you today that waiting on the Lord can transform us into a people of growing faith. Uh, If we look at the life of David, I want to look at Psalm 43, 5. Usually I take a passage from the Bible and pick it apart for all it's worth, but there's just a couple of verses I want to share with you today um, on this topic of waiting. And Psalm 43, 5 says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now this is David speaking, and it's, it's a very real and raw moment in David's journey as like, as if he's fighting with himself. Like, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Like, you know who your God is. You know he is good. You know he is faithful. Why are you not buying into this? You know, if we look at the life of David, we see he had quite a bit of waiting ahead of us, ahead of him in many circumstances. David, early on, was anointed to become king, but he had to wait for that to come to pass. And in the waiting, he did all kinds of fun and crazy things. He defeated Goliath, who was a giant. He led thousands of men and armies who conquered much land. He had um, to hide and flee uh, because the current king found out he was going to be king and was after him, and so he had to hide away. Um, And David also, he fell into some bad paths too, into lust and adultery. It wasn't all fun and games, but yet it's said that David in his waiting and obedience on the Lord, was a man after God's own heart. Yet here he is. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? You know who your God is. You know he's a conqueror. You know he deserves all the praise. So why aren't you buying into this? A man after God's own heart saying these things. Later in Psalm 143, answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, and I will or I will be like those who go down in a pit. Don't wake me, make me wait any longer, Lord. I'm failing. I'm falling. He knew, David knew what it was to wait. He felt the despair that a lack of answers knows. But we also see dispersed throughout the Psalms, him saying, like, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Positive. I waited patiently on the Lord, and he heard my cry. He set my feet on a solid rock. He established my steps. We wait on the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So he goes back and forth from, put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Acknowledge God because he is good to, this is hard. I can't do this anymore. He knows what what to do in the waiting, but he himself, he's fighting with himself to do it. 
So how do you wait on the Lord when this is you? You know, if we use David as an example, you feel uncertainty in the waiting, but while you wait, you walk in obedience, trusting in the Lord's plan, not your own. Continually asking God to meet you where you're at, asking God to reveal himself to you, asking him to order your steps and you take each day at a time. Waiting in the Lord necessitates two key elements. One is a complete dependence on God, and two, a willingness to allow him to decide the terms, including the timing of his plan. We do not like that. (laughs) Letting go in the reins of our lives, we like to control and to calculate, and we think we know what's best, so we try to create that situation for ourselves. But to wait on the Lord is to expect something from him in a godly hope. And Romans 5.5 5 says, and hope does not disappoint. So waiting on the Lord, it, it includes a couple of things. And I'm just going to talk about a couple of them. There's lots of things you can be doing while you're waiting. But the first one is waiting on the Lord involves rest. Psalm 23, 1-2 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The words, he makes me lie down, can be translated to, he causes me to rest. When we, like, when we, like sheep, are still, we are resting in the Lord, trusting our shepherd. We don't have to constantly be moving the pieces ourselves. We can lie down and let the shepherd do his thing. So we rest. Waiting involves rest. Waiting involves, number two, is trust. We need to stop trusting our own strength and our own power because when we wait on the Lord, we get a chance to exchange our weakness for his strength. But in the spiritual life, we're taught to distrust self and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. When we choose to wait quietly and trustingly, we not only honor God, but encourage others to put their hope in him as well. So while we wait, rest, trust, And number three, confidence. To wait on the Lord is to rest in the confident assurance that regardless of the details of the difficulties that we face in this life, God never leaves us without a sure defense. When it seems that life has pushed us into a corner, we have an opportunity to set aside our human viewpoint and wait on the Lord to show his power, his purpose, and his salvation. You know why we do this? Even though it's hard? Isaiah 40, 31 says, Because those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will soar up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So we walk in obedience while waiting in anticipation. You don't know if the end result is going to be good or bad or what you wanted or align with your viewpoint of what should happen, although we do know that God works all things together for those who love him for good, but you're hopeful, you're curious, and you're expectant in your waiting. So like I said earlier, I went to the same church in New Brunswick for 20 years before moving here, and you know, most of my family was there, I was comfortable there, um, it was home. And so uh, there was, when I was in grade four, there was an evening service, um, and I was just there playing around before the service as kids do. I was playing with my cousin, and people were trickling in. We were just running throughout the lobby, and then the phone in the lobby started ringing. 
And that was pretty unusual before a service. Like, I don't think I had ever in my life seen the phone in the lobby ring. It was just to call out. Um, but it was ringing, and, and so my cousin and I were kind of there, like, debating, should we answer it, should we not? No one else was around. We didn't really know what to do. And then so we started to dare each other to answer the phone. It became like a little game. So finally, on like the fourth or fifth ring, I convinced my cousin to answer the phone. And it was a lady on the other end, and she asked to speak to the lead pastor. This was like five minutes before a service. And we kind of discussed it with each other, like, I don't know, like, should we bother him before the service? Like, should we tell him or should we just not? And then we concluded, okay, yes, we should, because the lady on the other end, we couldn't figure out who it was, but there was a little, like, it was a somber voice, but there was a bit of a sense of urgency in us. So we were like, no, we should we should tell him. So we got him and he took the call in his office. So my cousin and I were just waiting in anticipation, hopefully that we'd find out what this call was about. And, you know, we were giggling, we were rushing around, telling people our hypothesis, asking other people like, oh, what do you think it was? What do you think it was? Um, you know, getting guesses from people, playing detective while we waited on this news that we thought we'd get. So while we were doing this, one by one, the board members of the church were asked quietly to enter into the office, and we didn't realize that was happening. And I didn't realize that until I saw a friend coming through the door, and I rushed to meet them. And when I, when I turned the corner to see my friend, I could see through the window of the office. And my dad at the time was one of the board members, and I could see, as soon as I, I turned that corner, I could see my dad's face, his like friendly, relaxed face, turn to just white and shocked. And in that moment, I knew that whatever the news I was waiting for, I didn't want it. <laughs> and I remember my dad, once the board members dispersed, um, they had their little meeting, and he walked directly outside of the office, directly to me, and told me in a very matter-of-fact way, he said, Jordan, so Bob, you know, my favorite person in the world, Bob was shoveling the ice off of the roof of his house this afternoon, and, and his ladder fell, and, and he fell off, and, and he, he passed away. So Bob, my favorite person in the world, I was just playing detective, being silly, waiting for the mystery to be solved. And then the waiting came to an end, and I was devastated. So what do you do when the waiting doesn't end the way you'd like? What do you do when you wait on God and he asks you to do something you don't like or he heals someone but in a way that you didn't see fit? What do you do or when the waiting doesn't seem to end at all? Something I like to do when I'm kind of grappling through things and ideas and what I believe, I always just go back to the life of Jesus. Every time, back to the life of Jesus. And Jesus' life is an example of waiting. You know, he, he waited for the fulfillment of God's plan for 33 years to roll out. You know, each step of the way, he waited on the Father's guidance and his leadership. How did he do this? By living in a confident expectation of what God would do and serving in the process. As the time approached when Jesus was to realize his purpose just hours before his death, he stepped away. And we read about this in Luke 22. It says, He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine, to be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell off the ground, fell to the ground like great drops of blood. But Jesus even asked in the hours before his death, is there any other way? 
Like, I've waited a long time for this, yes, but this actually seems like a whole lot of suffering and a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of loss. So is there any other way? Sometimes we're waiting on answers we think we want and you don't get it and, and what we actually end up getting is a whole lot scarier than what we had envisioned. What we want is not the one, what we want is not what God has for us. You know, Jesus even had this struggle and he is God. Jesus asked the Father if he would take this cup of suffering away, but in the very next breath he says, but not my will, yours be done. You guys can come back up. Um, you know, it's okay to acknowledge where we are. It's okay to be real about being on the cusp of breaking, being in the valley, being frustrated with the waiting. But Isaiah 40, 31 those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. Take heart, he will renew your strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. One step at a time, one day at a time, asking God to continually come into your heart, restore our joy, restore our strength, and being honest about where we are while we wait. Because we see what came from the waiting that Jesus did and the obedience in the waiting was saving the whole world. His waiting, yes, it resulted in death, but it didn't end there. His waiting for 33 years, and then he selfishly took on all the sin and the shame and the hurt of the world. So we don't have to. Jesus waited 33 years to die a slow and painful death on the cross. So we didn't have to. He waited in obedience for 33 years to have God's will be done in his life so that we can put our sin and shame and defeat and brokenness at his feet. But it wasn't over there. You know, at first glance, it looks like death, but really the fulfillment of the plan may have required death, but its end result was life. Life for you and I, a fulfilled life with purpose and promise and a future for those who believe. You see, what he was waiting for ended up redeeming the whole entire world. We often, in our lives, we can't see the big picture. We see the circumstances that are right in front of us and can't fathom, fathom what God might be working in our lives. When we wait on the Lord and trust in his timing and his provision in our lives, our minds can't imagine what he has in store. It says at 1 Corinthians 2, 9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human heart has conceived. These are the things that God has prepared for those who loved him. We see it right in the word of God, that we can't fathom what God has for us. Our worldly, our human mind and heart can't understand it, what he has for us. So, my question this morning, short and sweet, what are we doing in the waiting? I heard it said once that when you're waiting for God to open a door, praise him in the hallway. When we lay ourselves at the feet of our Redeemer, he does not recoil in horror. He does not reject us. He looks at us wherever we are. He gathers us close. He loves us and he strengthens us. So we have an opportunity to call out to our Redeemer who will take you under his wing. 
We don't need to worry when God prolongs his response, but continually wait for him to work on our behalf. Sometimes the wait is so long, but that's because it's extended, the, it's to extend the goodness of the final outcome. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. He will finish the work he has begun in you. Be still, know that the God that you serve will not fail you. He will keep his promises, and he is in the waiting. I'm going to get everyone to stand if you're comfortable, and we're just going to move back into worship for a couple of minutes. But, you know, when you're waiting for God to open one door, praise him in the hallway. You know, to wait on God is to lift him up because he is faithful. He has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful again. He was, he is, he is to come. So whatever you're waiting for today, if you're waiting on results, you're waiting on a new season of life, you're waiting on him to show up in your life, you're waiting on direction for your life, whatever it may be, take these next few moments and praise him. Open your heart to him. Lay at his feet, whatever it looks like. Because God is with you in the waiting and he assures us he's strengthening you in the waiting and he has more than you could ever hope or imagine for at the end of that. So God, we thank you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word, God. Let it is there to assure us of who you are, who you've been, and who you will be, God. Whatever the circumstances are in this room this morning, God, that we are waiting for, God. God, be in those situations, be in those lives. But right now, we ask you to come and to fill the hearts of those who wait, God. God, we know who you are. You, we know that you are full of grace and mercy and kindness, God, and we exalt that this morning, God. As we wait and we do our best to walk in obedience as we wait in anticipation, God. We love you. We honor you today. In your name, amen.